welcome to Dutch Wine Apprentice, the podcast. The following podcast is an integral recording of our talk show, Seller Talks. This show was broadcasted through Instagram Live on our Instagram page. For this reason, there might be references of images shown in the show and audio quality is affected. The full video recording of this show can be watched through our Instagram page in the IGTV section. This edition of Seller Talks Season 2 Episode 2 was broadcasted on Friday the 12th of February 2021. In this episode we welcome Florent Lancon from Domaine de la Solitude. In the show we talk about this great French winery with a remarkable history, their excellent wines and the iconic Chateauneuf-du-Pape appellation in the Southern Rhône. Hello everyone, uh, welcome to another edition of uh, Cellar Talks. Um, it's today episode number two of season two and we're going to talk about a uh, nice and famous vineyard uh, winery in uh, the south of the Rhone, uh, Chateau Neuf du Pape and uh, it's uh, uh, Chateau de la Solitude. So in a moment I will uh, ask our guest uh, to join us. Hello Florent. Hi, yes. Hello. Yeah, you do. I'm doing well. What about you? Uh, very well. Uh, just uh, I was wondering where, where you were because uh, it's 34. And, uh, <laughs> it's uh, uh, well, normally we are very in... punctual in Holland, but today we're not so punctual. So yeah, uh, you, you should be punctual. I, I'm from the south of France, so I'm always late. But you not. <laughs> you were already a little bit stressed, eh? I mean, I can see the anxiousness <laughs> in your face, eh? So we need to drink a glass of wine to get that uh, to get that out of the way. But you have already something very good. Yes. I have something as well because. Um, they told me that I should uh, give it some good air, so it's uh, been open for uh, for a while now. But we'll come to that later. Thank you for making some time, and uh, nice Hello. to have you in the show. So you're the second guest of season two, and after last week we were in uh, Germany with uh, Wittmann. Uh, we're going in a very different direction now, because oh, south of Rome, uh, south of the Pape, I think there is. Uh, yeah, you're crossing Europe. <laughs> I think I think there is not much of a bigger difference between uh, Riesling from Wittmann and Rheinhessen and uh, Chateauneuf du Pape. But um, well, let's hear what you guys are doing because uh, I think a lot of people are curious, and uh, I'm also very curious because, like I said, it's a very different region, uh, different wines, but yeah. you have uh, also a shared uh, thing, a, a nice long history in the winery. So maybe you want to start with the introduction about yourself and um, the winery, but uh, let's in general uh, introduce you first. Yes, so uh, I'm Florent Lanson. I'm a member of the family who owns the Domaine de la Solitude. So we were a very old estate from the 17th century. So I'm the A generation and I'm the one in charge at the moment. So before me, that was my uh, father and my uncle and they are retired now. And so I have my uh, four decades to do my best and I will pass to the next generation. And when so, did you start? Uh, when were you starting fully in charge because you're working for a long uh, time? You know, it's a family business. so It doesn't go like one moment. No, it's not. You, you get the job, but you never really get the job until, you know, <laughs> until the end. <laughs> yeah, until the last one goes. Yeah, yeah exactly. I don't want to say They're that. always there. Exactly. So I started to work in 2008 and... Um, yeah, I can say maybe 2012, 2014, those vintage start to be 100% mine. But, you know, I still have to move millimeter after millimeter to gain my, my place. You know, it's And you're in a very historical place. So also that's not always giving you, uh, maybe you don't, uh, it depends per person. When I talk to winemakers, if they're, especially if it's a family owned company, how much they would like to change. Some say, okay, I don't feel the need to change because there is uh, so much history. I don't want to do something, but everybody has a little bit their own ideas maybe. Um, so I think, yes, every generation have to print, you know, is a, uh, make his print but uh, it's also why it's interesting to you know take some time to think about what you do and doesn't get the job in the first two years because you know we we are a very historical uh, domain and uh, if i was really in charge in 2008 just fresh from school maybe uh, i did some mistake you know but 
Hopefully, my parents were still there and say, no, no, stop, yeah. don't change everything, you know, wait, understand more. You know? And they, they, they were correct. So And, and every year is different, eh? so every vintage learns you new every, things as well. So my goal when I start to work, I, I have two ideas. Uh, one of them, I just achieved it uh, this year. It's uh, My background is from um, university background. I was studying uh, tropical rainforest, so nothing really linked to okay. the business. But uh, I decided after a master's degree to, to go back to the winemaking school. So it's two, two years today. Mm -hmm. And um, my goal was really to go in the organic certification and really to be one of the domain of Chateauneuf du Pape as a, you know, show the direction for, for what should be the future of uh, the wine growing, respect the nature, respect the environment, as grow my vineyard in the most sustainable way. Mm -hmm. And my other goal, and I will never achieve it, is to be the best, but, uh, you know. It's a good ambition. You never I mean, achieve that, you know. If you, you don't you have to do your best every year. Yeah, I'm, ne I'm, uh, ever, I'm always insatisfied. I always want to do better. That's, and to, That's a good thing. So you you also want to improve with every vintage, every bottle that comes out. You have a goal exactly. to make it better. And you know, I have a big problem. I wish I can be a chef, you know, and repeat my my, my meal 300 times and to get it right. But maybe I will have 40 vintage. That's it. Yeah. So it's very few, give you very few chance to to understand everything and to, to, to be perfect. But uh, it's also nice story. that you have all the challenges, right? I mean, you learn all the time, basically. Yeah, you learn all the time. And I, I mean, perfection is not interesting. It's also the the way to arrive to perfection, you know, every year I agree. More, uh, increase your quality, some small change will make the difference after two or three years. So I, agree. I, I totally agree. But talking about, uh, well, change, but also first about history, uh, the family domain, can you take us a little bit back on how it started? Because it's been in the family yeah. for a long while, and but there is a long history uh, attached to yeah, it. Yeah, very long history <laughs> with many interesting uh, points. So my family formed the domain in the early 17th century. And we, we are one of the, we are the only winery still in the same family since that time. So I'm the A generation. And uh, before that, my family was living in Italy. So I have a very far Italian background. Mm -hmm. And if you look to every of our label, uh, you find the coat of arm of the family because uh, the part of family who was coming from Italy was a very rich and important family in Italy, the Barberini. Yeah. Uh, and one member of the family was named Pope, Urban VIII. And uh, actually, because of that, uh, in fact, he was accused of nepotism. So he just uh, mm -hmm. bring many members of the family to a very important place in politics and religion. Yeah. And when he died, what the next pope want to do? Decrease the influence of our family. So two yeah. solutions at that time, kill all of us, you know, yeah. this is time. Not die, <laughs> or maybe they do it. be more kind and send us away. So some member of the family arrived in France as ambassador and uh, two cardinals and one part of the family settled down in, in the Malocène. It's a beautiful village close to the Mont Ventoux. And they start to create uh, a business of alchemistry. Mm -hmm. So if you go to Malocène, there is still a ghost house called the Barberini house. Okay. And one member of the family fall in love with a woman. I don't know if he was falling or if pay or you know, at that time, the yeah. difference and no, <laughs> but uh, uh, fall in love with a woman in Chateauneuf du Pape and they create La Solitude. And uh, maybe I can just show one label. Yeah, sure. We have a lot of different labels, but this is the family. Yes. Uh, this, this is a, the most classic, well, not the most classic, but this one was created by my grandfather just after the Second World War. Okay. And so you have all, in fact, in every label, we take all that, but we put yeah. in different color, you know, change the size. And so you see the three bees, so yeah. that's the cut of the symbol of the family Barberini, the hat okay. of the Pope, Urban VIII, and the two in the view of the Pope who were cardinals. And I don't know if we can see that, but at, just there uh, on my grandfather's side yeah. because La Solitude was a dowry. It was only going through women for many generations. But from my grandfather's side, they were in the army. So that's, that's a symbol of uh, the highest distinction in the French army called Légion d'honneur. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And uh, yeah, but you're so, bringing all this together in the in the labels. There's a lot yes. of so uh, I, different I, I parts of the history in, the, in one label. All this, it's uh, uh, you know, it's not we we didn't create it coming from what you, we call heraldic. You know, it's yeah. uh, there is some rule, so it's really respect the rule. But we, my grandfather want to add uh, you know one one part of his family, so he put yeah. this middle. Ah, it's nice, nice story. I think it's uh, as well uh, thought through, but it's also very true to the family. So it's not the story yes. that is just created. It's no, really... it's, not, it's not. It's a good marketing, but it's true marketing. Yeah. That's the best. Yeah, marketing. but that's the best marketing. Huh? It needs to be realistic, true, and identical. Uh, it has its own identity, and that's what it has. So that's, I think, really a good thing. So, so and, and then, uh, and then how it, how did it change into the, the winery as it is right now? Because that's quite some time after that, I guess. Yeah. So, in, in fact, we, we get a chance uh, to... Uh, La Solitude was the diary of the woman on my grandmother's side. So, that was never divided in different pieces. And so, uh, we arrived to my grandfather. He was coming from uh, north of France. So, he met my grandmother. And uh, so, we are the first three generations were always not coming by the woman's side. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, during those many generations, we have so many, you know, or I can say that some generations were very interesting because they they were in advance or that time they create some 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 special thing. Like innovative or yeah, innovative yeah. or um, yeah, experimental more and you know average. And so we, we have. Uh, I'm very proud of that, and I will talk a little bit uh, later more closely of this point, but we were one of the first winery to use the label, uh, early 1750, uh, around 1750. Mm -hmm. uh, it's really interesting because the wine was sold by barrel around, you know, the Europe. And yeah. because of the rising of the bottling industry, if I can say that, we were, we were, at that time they were able to produce proper bottle and able to travel with those, to ship those bottles. And so my ancestor said, yes, I, I want to create a name. And there was Vin de la Solitude. We are going to try this wine, not the first vintage, but one of the vintage later. Yeah. He gets this idea to put a name on the bottle and say, I'm proud of that. It's a sign of quality. It's a sign of origin. And there was yeah. a long time before Chateau Neuf du Pape was known as Chateau Neuf du Pape, actually. Mm -hmm. And, and that comes back to the wine we're going to taste as well. Huh? So that's what you yes. wanted to say. So I'm going to explain all that, I think, when yeah. we are going to try the wine, because there's some very interesting uh, point on the winemaking process and the story of, full story of the label. Uh, and going back to the winery, the, the, the size of the domain doesn't change uh, that much. In mm -hmm. fact, uh, I think we lose our last olive tree in just after we get a very bad frost in 1956. Um, so before that, we were growing vineyard and olive tree, but they were mixed planted actually. So, okay. Combined through what just yeah. amongst each other. Yes, exactly. And so uh, the size doesn't change a lot. So we are located in one of the best areas of Chateauneuf. Uh, we, we start on uh, Lacro. So Lacro, it's of course, very famous uh, place of Chateauneuf du Pape because you have some iconic producers like uh, Vieux Telegraph who produce a cuvée Lacro. Uh, so La Solitude starts on Lacro and go down in uh, its own monopole. It's called La Solitude. It's a 12.5 hectare of uh, lieu de La Solitude and go up on a very similar plateau of Lacro. It's called Le Boucou. So solitude means uh, alone. I'm sure I'm showing the audience here something because uh, most people will know what the Rhone is and what Southern Rhone is and Chateauneuf du Pape. But now you're talking about the village uh, Chateauneuf du Pape and yes. the vineyards around this. Eh? So this is the map that I took yes, from so your website. Exactly. So basically, uh, the Chateauneuf du Pape area is on the side of the Rhone River, and it's uh, four different villages. And La the domain de la solitude is located inside the Chateauneuf du Pape village, so the heart of Chateauneuf du Pape. Yeah. And uh, do you want me to talk a little bit about the Rhone Valley, or? Yeah, well, just just for an overview, eh? so just that okay, people get an be... idea what the difference between the north and the south is as well. Yeah, it's a it's a big area. We start nearly in Lyon and we nearly go down to the sea both sides of the river Rhone, and uh, you have a northern part and the southern part. The northern part is uh, famous for Syrah and uh, Viognier, 
Uh, you have Cotroti, Conrieu, Saint Joseph, some great appellation. And the southern part is, of course, you have Chateau Neuf du Pape, and you have also Gigondas, Vaqueras, other appellation, and it's more a Grenache dominant area with a blend of many different varieties. Mm -hmm. If you go to the northern part, you will be single variety, mostly Syrah for yep. the red with a little bit of Junier. And if you go south, uh, it's a, a big blend. So in it's Chattanooga, the blending country, basically. Yeah, it's a difficult country to understand with many varieties. Uh -huh. <laughs> so we use 13 different varieties in Chateauneuf. So to give you an overview, it's, uh, Chateauneuf is 3,300 hectares, uh, spread in three different uh, types of soil. So you have the galet roulé, mm -hmm. the best, one of the best examples is Lacro, sandy soil, and uh, what we call limestone. So I'll ask I have, uh, uh, wait, this is with the sheep. I don't, I didn't want to show you that, but I have uh, this one. Yes, exactly. But I can show you a rock. Yeah, you have the rocks. Oh, very, even better. Yeah. Yeah. This is what the, what also is what uh, the Chateau of the Pop area is also famous for. Yeah, uh, exactly. That's a, when people think about Chateau of the Pop, the first point it's uh, those rocks because when yeah. you walk on those vineyards it's crazy it's incredible the, the quantity of rocks but mm -hmm. Chateau du Pape is not only that uh, it's the two biggest terra rocks and uh, sandy soil if mm -hmm. you think for example about Rayas it's 100% sandy soils uh, 300 producer roughly and uh, 13 variety so mm -hmm. if you mix all that Chateau du Pape is a little bit burgundy so you have different exposure different winemaking yeah D different uh, type of soil, different variety, it's very complex. Uh, so when you start to be interested by Chateau Neuf, you never stop, you always find something different. <laughs> That's a nice thing. Yeah, yeah. And, and also, uh, what is the reason that there are so many different uh, varieties being grown there and used in the blendings? Is it the same as, for example, in Bordeaux, it's got to do with the influence of the climate, the weather always, because they could not depend on one or two single varieties. But it's not the same, uh, the reason why it ended up there, or? Yeah, I think we, we have this tradition since ever of uh, field blending. Mm -hmm. So I think in some, in some areas, they lose this tradition of field blending, so mixing different varieties in the same field. Yeah. So generation after generation, they, they, they go, they select and they encourage one specific variety. But if you look deeper in each wine area in France or Italy or most old world, you will find a lot of different variety, but they, they are not known anymore. They are not grow anymore. Yeah. And in, in Chateauneuf, because of this tradition of field blending, I think we, we keep that. And in fact, if we look to the red, uh, the, the, main, the most important is, of course, the Grenache. After you have yeah. Syrah, Mourvedre, Senso. So you have four varieties sprayed a little bit everywhere. And for the yeah. white, you have white Grenache, Claret, Roussan, and Bourboulin. So yeah. we have already eight varieties used by most of the producers. And after, you have some varieties like uh, Cunoise, Picardin, Terre Noire. I think uh, and there is no really record about that, but when the phylloxera destroys the vineyard around 1880, mm -hmm. uh, we, all friends have to replant you know, quickly because all yeah. the vineyards were dying and, you know, we need to make money, so yeah. we need to it's survive. A, yeah, new, new plants. New plants. So before the phylloxera, I think the balance between all the variety was different, and many maybe Grenache was less important. Yeah. And the other small small variety, but uh, we are encouraged. But when we have to replant everything, Grenache is very easy to graft. Yeah. And yeah. it's going fast and produce, producing quickly. So it's a matter of getting back on your feet quickly. Getting and back on your helps. feet, exactly. Yeah. And we were lucky because it's a very interesting variety, the Grenache, because it's a, it's a grape who give a sense of a place. It's really a grape in the south of France who tell you where it grow and the way you manage the vineyard. In the south, we seeing, you have the Syrah, for seeing, example. Which grapes are we seeing here on the picture? This is not the Grenache, it's the Syrah? Uh, no, it's a Grenache. It's a Grenache. Grenache. Yeah. And you can see at the back it's bush vine, so yeah. it's, it's Grenache. Yeah. That's what the tells the, the, the vines are typical also for uh, for, the, for the grapes. Yeah, yeah okay. we, we keep, in fact, at La Solitude, we, we are proud and many producers keep that and I'm happy with that. We are proud of the way we grow and manage our vineyard. It's, mm -hmm. it's really important um, because you have, you know, the modern way of managing a vineyard is to use a wire, trolleys and yeah. to, 
high density of plantation. But if you want to do a proper, well, if you want to grow in a good way, in a good manner, a, a vine of Grenache, first you need time and you need to use goblet. Goblet yeah. is the first and the unique way to get old vine in Chateauneuf. If you don't use goblet with Grenache, we will never be able to have 100 year old vine. After 50 years, the vineyard died. Mm -hmm. And uh, to produce some uh, very exclusive and very concentrate and special wine, you, you need to have old vineyard. It's yeah, you can see uh, uh, one of the vines from close by, right? Yes, we are, we are, we are looking at uh, a vine of Mourvedre. You see the berries, the cluster is berries are very close together. There is no space yeah. between the berries. We, we are looking at Mourvedre. So Mourvedre is one of, I think if we look uh, to the future, Mourvedre is one of the rising variety. Okay. Uh, be, because in the past, you know, we, we well, in my point of view, we are used to say the Mourvedre, we are good maybe one year out of three years because yeah. it's a late ripening variety and often the, the weather condition were bad after uh, mid-september so it was difficult to pick it ripe but yeah. with the global warming or weather conditions change, change a little bit we didn't get this rain we arrive always after 15 of september so we are able to, to get a perfect ripening for the Mourvedre and they are very good to so, so the change climate place in the hand of the Mourvedre in this case yeah, no, as a climate change, encourage, yeah. you know, increase the quantity of Mourvedre. And we, we have also some, uh, some grape variety who are very interesting and they were not used uh, for years. Not, not, not a vineyard of Cunoise or Terrenoir were planted in the last uh, 20 or 30 years, but now we start to plant them again because they are, are grape variety who were able to be ripe in very dry and Hot condition and produce, you know, a ripe berry at 12.5, 13 of alcohol. Mm -hmm. When we are looking at the Grenache, you know, the Grenache is ripe most of the time around 16. So it's a good, it's a good way to to balance it, yeah this ripening. Uh, where do you get the plants? Because you said you're also replanting there uh, those uh, uh, more uh, uncommon varieties. So I get uh, from my background, you know, in. Uh, tropical rainforest. In fact, I'm uh -huh. specialized in orchid. So I'm very interesting about everything who look at the plant. So all my vineyard is planted with massal selection. I don't know, mm -hmm. do you know what is massal selection? No, no, no. So we, we, we select some uh, amount around the vineyard. We select our best old vine and also we, we share some uh, graft with other producers. Yeah. And uh, I send them to the nursery and so they produce some uh, Baby vine, some plant for me. Yeah, yeah. And to, to find those uh, old variety. In fact, because we, we still have some very old vine field blended, so with different variety inside the same field, I still have all those variety like Terre Noir, Cunoise, Picarda. I just need to walk the vineyard and to choose a plant, send yeah. them to the nursery and to get more, more, more of them. So there are some left that you could use to reproduce. Yes. Yeah. And th there is a nursery. Uh, specialized you know in this very uh, specific process is called Lilian Berillon and uh, the cost of one plant for me is three times higher than a normal one but he do and he help us to, to create and to select you know those old variety and to to bring them back yeah you you know, know, I mean it's, it's the only way to and and still you're staying true to uh, the origin because you're using exactly your because own uh, grapes uh, your own vines for that as well be because in the world, we always use this word uh, terroir, everyone says terroir, terroir, so mm -hmm. in the terroir, of course, there is a way of growing, there is a soil, the exposure, the age of the vineyard, but there is also something very important, and nobody talks a lot about that, is back in the day, the grafting was made, you know, by the family, we, didn't, we never go to the nursery, so in fact, my old vine has a work, the selection of my grandfather, we get from selection from maybe his father, from his father. So yeah, it's a family legacy, history, basically. Yeah, yeah, all the history of the, the winery is inside the old vine, all yeah. the work of my ancestor. And when you lose that, you lose a big part of your history and your identity. Yeah.
Yeah, that, that that I totally understand, and I think that's also what what makes it unique. And and in some sort of way, it's difficult to if you take over from your father or he took over to uh, get this knowledge across. But you learn because uh, there is, let's say, this red line going through <coughs> it, and also that goes in the vineyards where you see it in the vines, basically. So. Yes. Um, Maybe it's a good uh, moment to uh, tell us a little bit about the different wines that you're producing right now, because you have a quite uh, a lot of different ones. Yes. Um, so there's two schools in Chateauneuf-du-Pape. Mm -hmm. There's some producer who just produce one wine. And yeah. some producer like me, we get a lot of idea and a lot of <laughs> like to experiment and produce many different wines with many different stories around those wines. Mm -hmm. So... This one is the Chateau Neuf Cuvée Tradition. Yeah. We produce this wine since fourth century, basically. That's the wine we did since ever. It's a blend of all our different terroirs, all our vineyards. Yeah. And after we, we decide to, so my uh, uncle and my father decide to create some cuvée and I add some more because uh, I get some new ideas. Yeah. So we, we have the Cuvée Barberini, white and red. Uh, so the Cuvée Barberini, name of my ancestor, should be for Vieivin. So it's, co it's coming from uh, old vineyard, so more than 60-year-old vine of Grenache, mm -hmm. uh, Mourvedre and Syrah, uh, only grow on uh, galet roulé and clay. Okay. So when you have galet roulé, you have clay in the ground, and that produces wine with more concentration, uh, more richness. After we have... Uh, I should bring all the bottles with me as I can show I you. I have some. Uh, which one do you want me to show? Barberini. Barberini. Okay, I can get that. The nice blue label. Yeah. Uh, I think I, I, I instantly got it. Well, the yes. problem is my picture is very small. Yeah, you are, I'm big and you are small. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I still don't know how to get it back. Something changed here on Instagram. But you have a black label or no, blue, dark blue, is it right? Dark blue label yeah. with the coat of arm of the family. Yeah. Uh, so I, for, I forget to By say the way, something. For, for, for everybody, I'm going to post this all later on the Instagram and the post, so they will get to see it up close. But uh, because it's really worth uh, talking about the individual wines that you have, because there is a good history behind every wine that you produce. Yes, it's exactly. It's, yeah, yeah, it's it's very important to you create a wine. You think about it before, you know. Yeah. Uh, so we we have the Cuvée Barberini, white yep. and red. I forget to say something important. Uh, for the one who don't really know well the south of France, Chateauneuf du Pape, it's a wine area famous for red. Yep. And that doesn't mean we don't produce some good white, but I would say 92% of the production is red and only 8% white. Mm -hmm. So we produce two different whites, Chateauneuf, and we have a big range of red. Um, so we have tradition, the first label, white and red. I'm going to talk about the white later on. Yep. Barberini, selection of old vineyard from the rocky, the galet roulé. So more concentration, uh, it's a wine who need more time. Uh, you need to wait uh, four or five years minimum before to open the, open the bottle. Yeah. After we have uh, Cornelia Costanza. Cornelia Costanza, if I was, if I were in Burgundy, that should be my Grand Cru. Okay. From, yes, uh, in the, the label is really, uh, Inspired by the uh, Burgundy label, is all white, very classic. Yeah, almost difficult to see, but the white label, yeah, yeah. with the coat of arm of the family. Yeah. So this is coming from a, a vineyard planted just after the phylloxera, so around 1880, 1885. We have no record exact of the plantation, mm -hmm. but it was before the 19th, yes, 20th century. Sorry, and uh, it's a beautiful slope. Uh, on the sandy soil, with a, most of the vine survived that time, so it's like 80 or 90 percent of century-old vine, mm -hmm. and it's a single vineyard. So it's like it's really a photography of what's happened in this vineyard every year. Well, and, it's, uh, it's a, you said it's a single vineyard wine. That one, yes. Is the only single vineyard you produce, or are there more? Yes, no, it's the only single vineyard I'm no. producing. And that's typical because uh, not a lot of producers, you already said in, in, in the uh, RC, they all, uh, they, obviously it's the blending country, but a lot of them always stick to one red Chateau Neuf du Pape. But then yes. think about even taking single vineyard is not a common thing in the region for, you, for people to do. 
No, it's, uh, it's something you can do only uh, on the best vineyard and on specific year. Yeah. So I have a friend. Hello, Matt. <laughs> nice to see you, Matt. Ross, <laughs> uh, a UK journalist. Uh -huh. Long time I haven't seen him. Uh, he's back to UK, sadly. You are, I'm sure you are missing the sun, Matt. <laughs> so, uh, Cornelia Constanza, it's, really, it's me who decided to create this wine in 2005 because I always had a special relation with this vineyard. There was a place where, when I was a children, I was always going, there. I was always there to play, and it was my, my jungle, you know, because the vines were bigger than me, a very nice ah. canopy, uh, those beautiful old, old ladies. And to me, that was a, a magic place. And when I started to work, I said to my uh, father and uncle, we should do something with this vineyard. That's the best yeah. vineyard we have. It deserves to be poor alone. It needs to uh, stand out something. from the rest. Yes. Yeah. So it's a big vineyard. So it's a five, it's a five hectare vineyard. So we just select the best part of this vineyard and we, we use to do the Cornelia Costanza. And every year, every vineyard, year, or depending on the... On, I, on I will the say, uh, if I look in the last decade, there, there will be like seven vintage out of 10. Because I never forget my, uh, this need to yeah. be good every year, you know. Yeah. So sometimes I need to bring all the best vineyard into the yeah, it's, it's about what the vintage brings you. And sometimes you can do this and sometimes yes. you can't because you cannot abandon the one that you just showed us because this yeah, is exactly. what, yeah, the, the volume even is we, as well. Even if we compare in terms of production, the Cornelia Constanza is only 3,000 bottles. Yeah. Uh, compared to my classic QA who is uh, 60,000 bottles, so it's a very different scale of production. And every, everybody who gets used to that one wants it. If they want it next year, they want to find it. It's not possible to say, okay, I'm just going to uh, do at the half less because then you instantly have a problem if you do that. No, I think people understand, you know, and it's a really higher in terms of price, so the wine is, mm -hmm. you know, it's allocate by year and it's uh, no but i mean the other the other one if you take the let's say uh, the first one you just showed us uh, if you would uh, limit the production of that to half of it you would uh, well a lot of people would probably uh, look for it and, and and don't find it yes because it's more well known you know what it's uh, like you know there was not me but in 2002 yeah. there was a, a horrible year in chateauneuf we, we get yeah. a, a flood we get uh, like uh, one year of rain in uh, two hours. So mm -hmm. uh, just before to start the harvest, so the vineyard was basically destroyed. Yeah. And I remember the, the car of Robert Parker, the famous journalist, yeah. was moved from the car park to directly the Rhone River. <laughs> it was a little bit scary, you know? This bad. How bad? That's how bad it was. Yeah. That was very bad. And we, we didn't produce any bottle under our name. Yeah. Because the quality was not there, and you know, you, you take generation to build a reputation, and you take yeah, yeah. Days, you know. And sometimes, if you feel it's not good enough, you know, you we work with the, the nature. To, so. You have to make the decision to, to okay, you're bleeding because it's not bringing you any money that year. But it's better to do that than suffer yeah. from it from the years after. And yeah, hopefully that doesn't happen every year. It's something very exceptional, but yeah. uh, it's part it's part of the job, you know. Yeah, and and then we go from uh, Costanza. We go to go Costanza to, to the wine the, we are going yeah, to the try. one we're going to taste today. Yes, Vendera Solitude. Solitude. So, do, yeah, we already talked a little bit about it. You wanted to mention, but it's this is a a, a bottle you also made. Mm -hmm. um, if I read it and believe correctly, uh, in honor to uh, yes. one of your uh, family members. Yes, let me take something. Ah, you know, I like to show. So you see that? The labels, yeah. Yes, that's the original printing exactly. piece of paper we were using yeah. in the 18th century to to make this wine. So and that's really... the same label as you're using. Yes. So I, I decided, you know, I always facing in the office. We always have this label in the, you know, on the, the wall. On the wall. Yeah. It's part of our legacy, you know. Uh -huh. And uh, you know, I was. Looking at that, and I say, hey, we, we should do something with this label. I really like the design of the label, and I like the history behind. Yeah. But you, so what I decide is let's let let's look at all the wine was made at that time, what they were used to do, 
the blend, the way they manage the harvest and everything. Yep. And um, so I did my own research and we find out, we, you know, there is some very simple uh, understanding, like no disclaimer, easy. There was no electricity, no yeah. disclaimer, uh, no inox, no stainless steel, sorry. Uh, the, the use of uh, a tank was difficult because they were in wood or dig in the ground, in the rocks, with yeah. some uh, glass uh, part stick on it. You know, it's difficult to explain, but it was so not too many tanks. Uh, no working force coming from outside. So the harvest were managed by the local team. So yeah. a very slow way to picking the grape, very long harvest. So you're adding, and this is sort of the story, but you're adding yes. different grapes in different periods so in fact we pick all the variety when they are ripe and we yeah. add those, those all those variety in the same time so week after week yeah and all in all cluster of course we don't use any yeast or it's very natural fermentation yeah. and uh, at that time you know 18th century when they were finishing the harvest uh, that take a lot of their of their energy and they have to go back to you know, uh, taking care of the olive field, the yep. sheep, everything. So I always hear my grandmother. Sheep. Yeah, we still, I bring them back, you know. <laughs> they do yeah. a very nice job for me. They cut the grass. It's natural fertilization. Uh -huh. It's free. <laughs> yeah, but it's nice, yeah. They're just walking around through the vineyards. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's. Uh, I think I started to do that in 2015 for the first time again. And no, many people in Chateauneuf do that. We, we share all the vineyard and we bring uh, many cattle of sheep for all the winter. So, uh -huh. but let's go back to the wine. Yeah. So all the variety mixed together, all cluster. And when we finish the harvest, they were, my grandmother always says that. Uh, when they were finishing the harvest, they were loading the tank with some juice, some wine from the previous vintage, yeah. selling the tank with uh, clay yeah. and go hunting, picking the olive, and just before Christmas, they dig out the tank, and I'm sure at that time, maybe 30% of the wine were vinegar, but some of those <laughs> wines were magical, I promise you. And yeah. So yeah. I decided to do this winemaking process, so all the grape in all cluster together, a very long maceration, because the maceration on this wine, it's uh, this, this vintage, we did, uh, we did uh, 90 days, uh, we, did, we dig out the tank just the last week before Christmas. Uh, and so every week I'm testing the wine because I want sure to doesn't produce any vinegar. Yeah. But we load the tank with some wine of the previous vintage. We seal the tank and it's a very uh, uh, soft extraction, but very long. And in fact, it's a, that's a little bit a crazy story because uh, when I get this idea, you know, as a winemaker of La Solitude, I also someone who is in charge of the vineyard with me. We have the same, you know, studying and we share really the passion of making wine and also we have a consultant. So mm -hmm. when I decide to create this wine, after 40 days, they say, hey, Florent, uh, the wine tastes good. We, we should um, empty the tank. No. It's time. It's time no now. Way. We do it. After 50 days, they say, Florent, you are crazy. The wine starts to taste like shit. You know, <laughs> you're, you're, you're going to miss out everything. It's, it's not possible. <laughs> Dig out. No. <laughs> I was very strong on the point, you know. I want to uh -huh. wait, you know, before Christmas. And we learned something, and actually nobody tells us that at winemaking school. You know, if you look at the, when the level of alcohol is increased, you have the level of extraction of the tannins will increase yeah. also. Yeah. And at, you arrive at a peak, and at the same time, you try to soften those tannins. So you, you do some pump over, you mix, you steer the leaves, you add some oxygen. Yeah. So you have different ways to soften your tannins. Yeah, to balance and, it. Uh... And when you arrive at the point, you, you think you have extracted all you need, you empty the tank and you press. Yeah. But when you pass this point, we were thinking, we, I think, I still think, you, you extract everything. So you extract yeah. even some tannins you don't want. So your wine is rough. Yes. Yeah. A it lot of tannins. And what we learned, it's uh, after like 50 days, 55 days, there is a kind of fining. So the tannins, the ash tannins, they start to combine with the leaves. And they start to fall down inside the tank. So instead of getting a very strong and tannic wine, we have a very floral, aromatic, and soft wine. So that's opposite than what we expect at the beginning. Yeah. And if I was, you know, 
uh, if I was not silly and just say, oh, yes, it's a bad, it's a stupid You listen to him. Yeah, listen to everyone. We will never discover that. So. And it's funny because this is the second vintage that you produce for this wine? No, it's the first one. No, it's, I don't know which vintage do you I have. I have 18, I think, but 17 is yes, the first. Yeah, so 16, 17, 18. That's okay. the third vintage. This is, eight, this is 18. So you have three vintages of this now. Yes, yes, yes. And we are very, you know, I'm very happy with what I, what I, uh, I found oh. and I, 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 keep, I keep this process. We're going to taste it in a minute, but you only produce uh, for this one 1600 bottles. Yes, we yeah. increase because we, in fact, that's the size of the tank, yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, no, so you have only one tank, and then that's it. Yeah. No, no, I buy a bigger tank, and yeah. I have enough of those good grade to increase a little bit the quality. So we increase the production a little bit. So now mm -hmm. we, we produce around uh, uh, three thousand bottles. Okay, so that would mm -hmm. be the maximum. And in fact, since two thousand uh, yeah fifteen, I'm working to create a white. But I never achieve it. But this is your uh, other ultimate goal. Yeah, no, one, one of them. And I think this year we find finally find a, a way to create something very interesting. Um, but we should taste now because somebody's saying curious to taste. But that's we're we are the lucky ones. Uh, yeah, you drink it more often. But for me, it's the first time, and I, yeah. I try to stay away from it because it was standing here for some time. But I smelled at it a couple of times. Uh, I couldn't take my nose off of it. It's like yeah, it's uh, you know, it's a. I think if you don't know if it's coming from Chateau Neuf, you never guess it. Mm -hmm. In fact, this wine, it's a. It's a classic before the classic. In fact, yeah. So yeah. even before there was Chateau Neuf du Pape. Yeah, actually, Chateau Neuf is... was named Chateau Neuf Calcernier. So, yeah, so this is the one point in the Chateau Neuf du Pape. What after is this two point basically very different. It's not comparable basically. Yes, and also the Grenache is not dominant. That's an interesting story, yeah, because now Grenache yes. is the dominant grape, and it was it's, not. It's, it's Cunois. I, I decided, in fact, to, to go on uh, some grape variety who are not used a lot, and some of fin, the Cunois, for sure, before the Phylloxera, was a lot more uh, in quantity in every blend in Chateauneuf mm -hmm. than now. So that's why I can, decided can, to use can you show the bottle? Tonight. Can you show the bottle one more time? Or, because I'm still very small, I know. For the so people if you look at know. the bottle, it's a yeah, it's a strange bottle. But actually, uh, that the bottle with um, that exactly is the design of the bottle closer to the bottle we were using at that time. And the wax, obviously. Yeah, wax. Yeah, uh, hard uh, wax. Sorry for uh, the sun. Uh, I use hard wax. Difficult to break, but uh, there were uh, no soft wax in the 17th century. Uh, no, so you have to <laughs> stay true to the story. But yeah, that was and you know what I'm let, planning? Let's, I'm sorry, planning let's, to. I don't know if you know about that, but uh, now there is some uh, delivery by boat, but uh, the boat doesn't use uh, oil anymore. They use uh, the wind, like in the past. So, yeah. so this wine will be delivered outside France. Of, With a sailing of course, ship. if I can, in this country, by, by, by a wind boat. Should be With fun. a sailing ship only. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a good story. I love it. But now tell us what we're going to taste, because, well, people are uh, obviously very curious and... Uh, like so you said, we, it's not it's not traditional for Chateauneuf to pop this. No, so we, to me, I, I think we we go a little bit in Burgundy. We, we smell a lot of uh, it's very floral, a lot of uh, small blackberries on the nose. It's not too ripe. It's not overripe. It's not jammy like sometimes sometimes you can find in Chateauneuf du Pape. You have a slightly a little bit of oak taste also mm -hmm. because this wine is aged for eighteen months in oak barrel. The tannins are very uh, soft, uh, elegant, a little bit uh, with a little bit of grip at the end. Yeah. So to me, we are really on the fresh expression of a Chateau Neuf du Pape. So you were saying earlier before, um, it's comparable, and I saw it in the review. I think uh, one of the two um, is comparable with a Grand Cru, basically. Yeah, um, well, you know what? It's Jeb Dunnock who says that on the 2018 <laughs> vintage. And uh, to my friend, you know, when I make some joke, I say it's my grand cure of Burgundy of the time. Yeah. Uh, but I'm very, <laughs> you know, sometimes in your life, some people say something about you or your wine, and you say, oh, yeah. that, that's exactly what I mean and what I want to hear. <laughs> so uh, that was, 
It was very kind for me to say that. And but it sticks to you, eh? This is something that lasts and people recognize it. Yes, so the style is very unique, but what do you think? I don't, so you, don't see your face, but... Uh, well, I can tell you that I'm very happy. Uh, okay. <laughs> luckily, the, 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 this image is very small. It's a problem I have with Instagram since the last show, so still not sure how to get it back. But uh, as I was reading the story, and this is actually a bad thing, so you should never read the, the story first. You should just go for the wine, smell it, and then drink it, and then afterwards you can read. Look the at story. the story. So yeah, yeah. But, but when you read the story, you have already falling in love a little bit with the wine. So. And that's what I wanted to say. And um, this weekend is Valentine's Day. So what yeah. I wanted to say for everybody who does not have a present yet, this would be, I think, maybe not uh, to say anything bad about your other ones, but this would be one of the best Valentine gifts that they can buy from you, I think. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I agree. But, uh... Because also the floral, <coughs> floralness, etc. It's really, yeah, uh, I mean, like I said, if you smell it, it's already the nose is already on itself is getting yes. you. Uh, yeah, uh, really intoxicated in a good way not in a bad way but it's addictive but people have to be uh, 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 look for it very well because you don't make a lot of bottles as you said you yes, only have I, one don't, I don't remember how many bottles were, were shipped to Netherlands but uh, something like 90 bottles I don't think that many no, no, no. I talked to the importer and they said to me maybe 60 uh, yeah it's a uh, Actually, it's my assistant who takes the allocation, so I always say yes, but he always say no. So at the end, I don't know. <laughs> In the end, everybody is uh, unsatisfied. Everybody wants a little bit more, but yeah, that's how. how yeah, it but it's a good problem. It's difficult at the time because uh, I don't, as a producer, you don't like to say no, but uh, it's a good sign of quality. So. I agree. I agree. But it's nice that you that you, you, you took all these things from the history, from the family, but also uh, uh, from winemaking, you brought it back alive, basically, in this yes, wine. So, it's, so it's you're bringing be... something back into the, the, the current day at the moment, which was gone. Yeah. It's a piece of history, in fact, this yeah. wine. It's really, and, 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 and that's good because you keep you can keep on producing your standards, uh, quote unquote standard. Yes. Because it's not saying anything bad, but like all the other producers are doing, or most of them, and, and stick to that. But this experimenting also gives you a uniqueness and identity next to that as well. Yeah, I think you know many people talk about this wine as uh, or flagship. They, uh, People but, always remember of this wine. So. But it's, yeah, I agree. I would say on one end, on the other end, it's wine on its own. It's not, to be honest, I cannot, if I look at the rest of the lineup, I cannot compare. You don't need yeah, to, yeah, one to compare it. Sure. It's, uh, yeah. And so let's move to the 90 oh, bottles. Hey, Ralph, there is Ralph. 90, 90 bottles. He, he checked, Ralph. He just says there is. He didn't sell all of them yet, so people can still buy it if they want it. It's uh, I hope so. Maybe <laughs> gold or sold ninety. <laughs> yes, there was. Uh, maybe next year, yeah, Ralph, you will have one hundred twenty. Ah, good. I will do my best. <laughs> you need thirty more for sure. Uh, Magnums, he needs. <laughs> yes, you will have some Magnum. I promise you. We'll talk good. about that later. <laughs> We will yeah, you, you, you make magnums, a couple of magnums for this one. Yes, well. yes. In fact, it's something because this one is only sell on allocation. I ask all my clients, I say, hey, listen, you, you, you can have 120 bottles. Let me know how many magnum and bottle you want. Spray. Yep. The total need to be 120. So yep. if you want 10 magnum, you take 100 bottles. Yep. And it's a nice way. I do one bottling. It's a nice way to please everyone. Yeah. I think it's a good way. I mean, uh, I think, uh, like you said, and uh, I, we had um, a couple of weeks ago, Belandrat, uh, also talking with them in the same way that it's difficult if you're becoming popular or you have a popular wine and they have the same thing with the Belandrat Lurton. Uh, they never make enough and people always ask them, why don't you make more? But it's sticking true to your identity. In this case, yeah, exactly. you, you cannot, more. you know, it's... Uh... Yeah. So allocation, I mean, yeah, it's not always nice, but it's what it is. And, and the real the people that, that really uh, are a fan or really want to experience will find it at some point. I mean, yeah, it's exactly. in the market there. Okay, good, great wine. So I have a, um, let's go and see if we have some questions. I already have one. Um, would you like to make wine in the north of France as well as your grandparents are from there? Oh, actually my, my grandparents, fair. My grandfather oh, was, was from uh, 
close to Alsace, but he was not producing wine. He was taking care of uh, a cattle of cow. So they were farmers. Yeah. And uh, actually, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm quite, uh, I like to always bring some new idea, realize some new thing, but um, I'm not really into increasing the size of my vineyard because I can make, you know, I can find opportunity to make wine in the north or maybe in, uh, in the US and or who knows in China. But what really pleased me is to, you know, I'm at a size where I can be in the vineyard in the morning, go back to the office, you know, I can have yeah. you know, the, all, the full spectrum the of the job. Selling the wine, do some office, even if I don't really know that, but when I talk yeah. to nice people like Ralph, it's, it's good. But, and also uh, managing the vineyard. If you go to, if you start to be too big, I will be always in my office and I will lose my food. And, and you will miss these ones as well. Yeah. It's just there, sleeping on the yeah, side. Yeah, <laughs> I know how to make people smile. I just take pictures of their dogs and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll show them because these are the, the family dogs, right? Yeah, they are more famous than me. You know, if you look on uh, <laughs> on Google and you say Domaine de la Solitude, there is more pictures of the dogs than me. <laughs> and the sheep <laughs> as well, but the dogs yeah, are yeah, more famous. Yeah. So question, would you like to make a white wine? Uh, well, you have one, but would you like to produce another one? You talked about this, this one that you want to make a white one yeah. of, maybe, or comparable white one. Yeah, so I didn't talk about the wine, it's a white wine. It's always a blend in Chateauneuf. So at La Solitude, we, we use uh, Claret, Roussan, Bourboulinque, uh, Picpoul, and White Grenache. Mm -hmm. And each grape, you know, have some specificity. And for example, the Claret brings uh, the acidity, the freshness. Mm -hmm. uh, the Roussan brings the aromatic, the mouthful feeling. And you create a balance by blending different varieties. It's very difficult. Okay. There's very few single variety or single vineyard of uh, white in uh, in Chateau yeah. And uh, but because even the the Viognier in the north, no, they, yeah, are, the, they are planted the amongst, amongst the uh, Shiraz, so they are not yes. specific vineyards. Yeah, Both. in fact, no. You yeah, if you go to Cote Roti, you have the, the you have a small part of Viognier uh, in the Shiraz. Yeah. I think they are allowed to something like. Uh, 15% maximum, but yeah. you can go to Condrieux and you Condrieux, find some 100% yeah. Viognier. Yeah. Condrieux, it's a, and you, you, you go to Coteau de Vernon and you find the origin of the Viognier. Yeah. The only vineyard left of Viognier was there. So in the rest of the Rhone, it's, uh, you hardly any find any uh, single vineyard white, any green yeah. varieties. Oh, you have one. Claret de hmm. but after yes, it's most most of, and I think uh, it's 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 really uh, maybe if it's it's more difficult to understand for people who doesn't know about wine because people like to buy varieties. Oh, I like Chardonnay, I buy just yeah. like Chardonnay. So it's it make everything a little bit more difficult. Yeah. But uh, for the global warming, it's really a chance to be able to use different varieties because we we always you know we have for example for the white we have the Bourboulin. Yeah. Even if it's 40 degrees for three months with no rain, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It will be ripe at 12 maximum. That's it. Never go higher. So <laughs> you balance your Grenache, white Grenache at 16, or your Roussan can easily burn. So the blending of different grapes is really a good way to to be there in 20 years when we will gain two degrees. So, so another another white blend is an option and is something you're always looking into. Maybe. Yes, in fact, uh, I'm working on the Vendela Solitude White. Yep. Uh, there will be a blend of three variety, but uh, it's not. It will be uh, the final decision for this one will be made in June. So uh, I don't you never ask. I learned sometime one time. You never ask an artist when it's finished. Yeah, because if it's uh, something <laughs> goes wrong after, you don't want to. You know. Yeah, but it's never finished. You always find something you want to improve, maybe or change, or and then you look at it the next day and then you think, hmm, yes, uh, it's not really ready. But okay, it's it's a project that you're working on, and that's really getting into uh, the final phase. Let's put it like that. Yes. So, what do you um, want your winery in ten years from now? Is the question. So, 
I have a lot of ideas, but I think my, one of my goals is, as I said already, is really, I want to respect the environment. I want to respect the nature, you know, really feed me. I'm working with the nature. So one of mm -hmm. my goals in 10 years, I want to be 100% carbon free. Yeah. I want so to that comes to sailing ship. Yes, sailing ship, only tractor will work with electricity, maybe by, you know, I still need to use some glass and cardboard, so maybe yeah. buying some forest to store the carbon. And we already, if I look at the vineyard, what we achieve already, we, we are, you know, we will be certified organic, we are in the process of biodynamic certification. Mm -hmm. So I think we, step after step, we will arrive to where I want to be, to have a really a vineyard, healthy vineyard, we will create some wine with a, a sense of a place. On the winemaking process, uh, year after year, I start to remove things. So now we, for the, in the past, we were using, uh, we were not too much product, we produce with grape and the yeast, but uh, no, we use only natural yeast. We don't yeah. know, any debourbage, so we, we keep we work with all clusters. So my goal is to create a wine with everything. I don't like to waste something. So I don't want to remove the stem. I don't want yeah. to remove the leaves. And I try to make something good with all I have. And yeah. And so that's, that's, that's an ongoing process. We're yes. always looking into. Okay. I got a question from our guest from last week, because I always ask a question from the previous guest for the next guest. So last week we were talking with Widman and um, uh, they were talking about um, uh, wine library and old bottles. And yes. uh, now you have obviously a very old domain. So the question was, so maybe you can already think about what the question is, but the question is, what is the oldest bottle that you have? Oh yeah, it's a big in the wine library? So I'm very sad about that because I know in Germany, I have some friends who work in Germany and they get some bottle of three century old nearly. At La Solitude, our oldest bottle are from the 50s. Okay. And uh, if in the world there is still some bottle older than that, I just buy them. Yeah, it doesn't matter what the price is, you will get it back. So, so again? I said it doesn't matter what they want for it in price, you will get it back. You want to be, it to be in the Yeah, place. because in fact, you know, uh, I think it's really depending the family. In my family, before my uh, grandfather, they were not tradition of... Uh, storing the wine no they just sell it because they need to the sell money it and, they, so, and they, they they were they were used to get always some old wine but they were drinking it in fact after 20 years all the old wine were drunk so it was a, yeah when we it's really i think it's really in the 80s we really understand uh, we need to build a library stock we need to have yeah. some record of what we did and so you started we doing that as well in the 80s then Yes, and, and, and no, I really store, you know, 300 bottles of each vintage. Yeah. Even if it's good or bad, you know, I store them. I don't want to yeah. sell them. Well, I think it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Um, next week, we are going to go to the Falls in Germany, actually to uh, Von Winning uh, Winery. I don't know if you know them, but uh, they're in Deidesheim. And Deidesheim is in uh, Forst. Forst is nicknamed the, um, you're gonna laugh at me, the Pudding Moutrache from Germany. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you heard of it, but that's because the soil is very uh, comparable, but um, they produce a lot of different wines. So they're obviously a main producer for Riesling, but they also make a Pinot Noir, they have a Chardonnay, they have uh, quite an extensive selection. Um, what would be a question, and you can think about it a couple of minutes, you don't have to tell me now, so it gives you some time. A question you want to ask them, because we're in no, a very already, different I already have my question. Oh, tell me. So, do you already feel the global warming, and do you think it's something good for your vineyard, or something bad? Because it's really depending on the place. Yeah, Maybe for you, two or three degrees higher will help you to produce more structured wine, more, you know, ripe. I'm sure they have a nice answer to that because I know that they're always working on that. And, and like you said, in, in some countries and regions, it's affecting more. And also that's why in France, they just recently announced that in Bordeaux, um, they allowed to new uh, grape varieties, yeah, for instance. So uh, it, it's, it says enough when you're very traditional that you allow to, well, uh, yeah, to change new. the variety. Yeah. But it's a good question, so we're going to ask we're going to ask them and uh, and see what they what they come up with. So 
Um, let's see if there's any other questions from the audience, because I think I answered the ones that are there right now. So if anybody else is watching and still has some questions, uh, please go ahead and, um, and do, uh, do ask them. Um, next to that, uh, I think uh, what is important uh, also, uh, maybe for the people to know, where is your wine available? So uh, there are people from multiple countries watching here, Holland obviously, <coughs> um, but there's also other countries. Which are the countries you're exporting to mainly? So uh, I'm very into selling a bottle of my wine everywhere, in every country of the world. So you, you can find my wine in all the European country. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, yeah, all of them. You can find my wine in Northern America, even in Southern America, like Brazil or Mac Brazil. Yes, mostly Brazil. You can find my wine in Asia, like all the countries of Asia, China. We, this week, to uh, Bangkok, so Thailand. I ship also some wine in uh, Australia, New Zealand, uh, South Korea, Japan. Do you uh, see a change? Do you see a change in the countries where there is uh, increasing demand for, uh, for for your wines? Uh, yes, I, actually, I think uh, it's uh, there is a process. So people start to be interesting about wine, and yeah. first you have the big name who arrive, and when the after five six years. They start to want something different. They start to yeah. look at a small appellation or you know more uh, high-end wine. And uh, actually, so I, I'm, I'm surprised. For example, I'm surprised how successful, how successful I am in uh, Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. Yeah. <laughs> or you Macedonia. It, you know, I'm selling a lot of wine in Macedonia. At the beginning, you don't expect to sell that quantity yeah. of wine in Macedonia. Or Taiwan is very. They really love the, the Chateau of Papa at the moment. So, 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 so in really, a couple of years, so and I know for five years, six years, uh, the demand will increase, and after they will be more stable, and you will have another country will rise. Yeah, actually, Russia is very good also. So this is what you see in these countries you mentioned: is that after a couple of years, let's say five years, there is the period where, um, yeah, you get a, a let's say the rising and we arrive at a plateau, yeah. and we. You know, we stay like that for a long time, but uh, yeah. no, no, it's, it's, uh, it's very interesting because you're naming very exotic countries, obviously. Yes, but there is also, the, of course, there is also, it's, to me, they always surprise me to sell quite a lot of wine in Italy or Spain also, who also make wine and some fantastic wine. Is there a wine you're jealous of, a wine you would love to have made? So which piece of art in the wine world would you like to call your own? I mean, I'm not. Uh, it doesn't need to be. be. Maybe you want, you want to make jealous. your own one. I'm not jealous because uh, I'm lucky enough to, to don't to don't have to be jealous. You know, I'm no, jealous. You, you have a lot of long history. But sometimes, you know, and that doesn't happen uh, often. But uh, the last time was a long time ago, and I was in with an Australian wine. I don't know if you know this producer called uh, Clarendon Hills. No. In, Mor in uh, Australia. In Australia, yes. Yeah. And I remember I was drinking this. He's producing some Grenache, some very good Grenache. And I was drinking this wine, and I was with some friend, and I was saying, "Just, I need to go back to work." And I, I need, <laughs> you know, I have missing something. This guy produced such a good Grenache at the other side of the world. You know, he really kicked <laughs> yeah. me. You know, say, oh. Don't you're famous for Grenache, so you know what you're talking about. And now you're tasting something from Australia, and it surprises you this this much. Yes. Yeah, it's a, you know it. Ah, there you go. <laughs> very good. And there is so, some, but uh, there is some very nice if if you know wine from this place of of the world. Uh, Bass Philippe produce produce some amazing pin, amazing Pinot. If I was uh -huh. a producer in the new world, I want to be a Bass Philippe. So you you also like to go and, and, and travel these places and see those vineyards? Or is this something you do frequently or try to do yes, frequently? Yes, I, I mean, you know, it's uh, the wine world is a small world and most of mm -hmm. the wine producers are nice guys. So we, mm -hmm. It's always nice when you travel and meet some other if you want, if you, and this is the good thing. If you're in the um, different parts of the world, you can help them. For example, with the harvest when it's your time. And you so have I, I did that when I was when I was younger. I did that actually. I went to work in a 
New Zealand and Australia. Yeah, and that's that's really a nice thing. I mean, this is how you also learn different things and how you build uh, friendships yes. with other people as well. And you know what? I think the, when I was in Australia, there was maybe the winery where I was working uh, was producing good wine. It was called Yearing Station. Mm-hmm. And the winemaker, Tom Carson, every day was bringing some bottle from everywhere, from Australia, from New Zealand, from all around the world. And I realized something when I was there. It was, they were always talking, the winemaker, and you know, the people working the winery, they were always talking about the history of the winery. And all this wine was different because of history, the place where it was grown. And I realized, you know, it's over there, such something important to keep your history, keep your tradition. Yeah. Don't try to follow, you know, the style of... Uh, the trend, you know, be yeah. different. You need to stick to what you are when you have a nice history, like a producer in Chateauneuf du Pape. I think it's it's a really nice way to to close up this session because it brings us back to at some point people take things for granted because they're always it's always been there. And France is a country that is known for wines for centuries and is the epicenter epic center of wine. But if you live in the middle of it, you 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 forget. Sometimes you, for, you forget why it's like that. Yeah. And if you go to Australia, where it's different, and, and they don't, don't have this history, or New Zealand, or the US even, then uh, you cherish it. And also when I talk to people enjoying wine, drinking wine, studying wine from the US, um, you feel privileged. This is the feeling yes. I have, that I can yeah, buy basically all these wines. You understand you don't have to go, uh, you know, to be modern and to do the same as everyone do in the world, just... Your history is really important and it's part of your wine. And it, people drink this wine because of this tradition, this history, and of course the quality. But uh, I think it's I think it's a nice way to conclude. Let's uh, cheers to that. Well, I'm yes, still very, I'm still very small, but enjoying uh, enjoying enjoyed this interview. So thank you very much for your time, Thomas. It was my pleasure. It was a very nice talk and. Uh, uh, I hope to meet you one day uh, in uh, New Zealand, or if you come to Chateauneuf, uh, give me a call. It's, it's, it's on my list of regions to visit, and then I'm sure I will uh, give you a heads up to, uh, to yeah. see the dogs, to see the yes, videos, to see you. Spend, then, spend uh, a day and a lunch, we spend a day and a lunch together. And, uh, you, can, you, can put, you can put me to work there as well, so I can learn oh, a little yeah, bit don't about worry. the... Very good. I will put you good. to work in the Galerie Roulet, in the, in the rocks. In Very the good. Country. I will carry the rocks. <laughs> Thank you, Florent. Have a nice Thank evening. And, um, you too. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. So, everybody, thank you for uh, uh, tuning in. And, um, of course, well, there still is the issue with the uh, uh, the image uh, being small in the top, but um, trying to uh, uh, see uh, how we can fix that on Instagram next time. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about uh, von Winning Winery from the Falls. So, a very different uh, uh, type of wine uh, region as well. So, I hope you enjoyed it. And um, you had a good time with Florent and with me. Uh, we talked about a very special wine today. And I can only encourage everybody to uh, try to uh, taste uh, a bottle of uh, Domaine de la Solitude. And if you can, even uh, try to get this one but it's a a piece of art, so uh, they're hard to come by. But thank you everybody for watching, and next week uh, on Friday we're back uh, 7.30 again, uh, talking to Germany. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Be sure to visit us on Instagram at Dutch underscore wine underscore apprentice and check out our website www.dutchwineapprentice.com for the latest news and content. You can also subscribe to our newsletter through the contact section of our website.